Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Are you a football fan looking for the latest analysis and news on the Jacksonville Jaguars? You're in the right place. Black and teal, baby. Welcome to the Gen Jag Podcast with your host, Jordan DeLugo. Move those chains. Here's your host, Jordan. What's up, everybody? This is the 38th episode of the Gen Jag Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan DeLugo, joined by my co-host here today, Scott Klein. Scott, how are we doing today? Another day, another dollar. That's what Brandon Linder says. <laughs> That's right. That is what Brandon Linder says. And I'm not sure if you caught it, but uh, Brandon Linder's teammate, who has been his teammate since they were drafted a uh, round or two apart in the 2014 draft, Luke Bowenko, mm-hmm. he uh, had a little oh, the, fun with a gift. The gift. Yeah, having Brandon Linder throwing dollar bills out. Oh, so, good. yeah, of course, that's always a good time. Luke Bowenko. He likes to have a good time on social media. Yeah, he's a funny guy, it seems like. Yeah, I really hope uh, he sticks around. He's going to be on the block this year, it seems like, with all the uh, offensive line talent that the Jaguars have going on. And uh, excuse us if you hear any dog barking in the background, but we're house-sitting and uh, we had to move our studio today. Had to take it mobile here. But, uh, yeah, we've got a lot to get into. Of course, this episode, as all of our episodes, are presented by Bold City Brewery. Make sure to check them out at boldcitybrewery.com, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Bold City Brewery. And now, Scott, uh, we've got a few different beers here today, as usual. Uh, we've got the 1901 Red Ale, which is starting to become maybe like the show's favorite beer, it seems yeah. like. We get that a lot, but it's just a easy beer to drink, and it's got... Plenty of flavor as well. I think it's been on enough that it's officially now the fourth co-host. <laughs> yeah. 1901. <laughs> Our thoughts brought to you by 1901 Red Ale. Scream Sickle, which is uh, named after the Cream Sickle uh, candy or ice cream or whatever. Very sweet. Whatever it is. Yeah, I'm a fan of it. I, I like it. It's an easy beer to drink. And then our special beer we're going to be popping open a little bit later is their brand new beer from their downtown location, which is Downtown Duty Brown. Yeah, get your head out of the gutter. Downtown, and it's a brown ale. It's an American brown ale brewed with oats, lactose, and spices. Full-bodied, slightly sweet with notes of vanilla and nutmeg. It's got 4% alcohol, so it's not overly strong. It's brewed by their brewer down there, Jeremy. So make sure to go pick some up at the downtown location which is on East Bay Street, and check out their original location as well, their original tap room, which is over off Roselle in Riverside. Again, that's Bold City Brewery. Big shout-out to them. Big shout-out to Kevin. We love uh, doing business with y'all, and we love having you as sponsors. Y'all are the best. So uh, before we get into everything, you can find Scott Klein at ScottKlein1 on Twitter. Find myself, Jordan DeLugo, at Jordan DeLugo on Twitter. And follow Generation Jaguar at Generation Jag on Twitter. And, of course, check out genjag.com. 
Give a little shout out to our video correspondent, UCF Jaguar. Go make sure you check him out on YouTube. He's posting videos multiple times a week covering all the latest Jaguars news, everything that's going on. I think he just released a training camp primer. Yeah, so, yeah so definitely go check that out. We'll be posting that later, too, on GenJag.com. And uh, you can follow him on Twitter, too, if you like, at UCF underscore Jaguar. Uh, he's got a lot of just fun stuff if you're a Jaguar fan to check yeah. out and soak soak in. There's not a whole lot of video content all the time around the web for Jaguar fans, and he's a great source for it. So make sure to go check him out. And if you really want to, you can go follow our co-host, Hunter Evans, who's not here today. He's uh, at Coach H underscore Evans on Twitter. And uh, he's a Bama fan. We've mentioned that many times. So... Obviously, that's some ammunition to go make fun of him for being a Bama fan from Florida. So, yeah, go give him a hard time for us. And uh, we've got a lot to get into. Dante Fowler apologized for his news from last week, his arrest. Uh, We'll get into that. We'll get into a few roster moves and non-moves the Jaguars have made this week. We'll take a look around the AFC South. There's some... Interesting stuff going on with all the teams in the AFC South right now. So we'll look at a couple of the biggest headlines from around the uh, division. Uh, The Jaguars reported to training camp today. Doug Marone spoke to the media. He had some fun with Mark Long there, it seemed like. (laughs) So we'll get into that. Calais Campbell spoke. Mercedes Lewis spoke. Paul Puzlesny spoke. Of course, we said Dante Fowler apologized briefly. Uh, We'll... Maybe look at defensive roster spots, depending on how much time we've got here. And uh, we'll definitely get into our PFF minute, as always. And we'll wrap the show up with our keep one, let one walk. So, let's get into it. The biggest news that's happened with the Jaguars this offseason, despite adding Calais Campbell, who's an all-pro talent, despite adding Barry Church, who's a veteran leader, despite adding A.J. Boye, who, according to Pro Football Focus, was one of the top two or three corners in football, Dante Fowler has to come in and steal the show. Typical Jaguar, of course, (laughs) stealing the show. But if you have been hiding under a rock for the last week or you just, I don't know, were without Wi-Fi service and cell service, Dante Fowler was arrested for punching a 55-year-old guy and then stomping his glasses and throwing his liquor (laughs) into a lake. So great stuff. So fast forward a couple hours after that, more news comes out about him getting arrested the year before, and then after that, everybody brings up the fact that he's gotten a ridiculous amount of parking and speeding, any sort of traffic violation since he's been in Jacksonville. And so you've got three things there that are not a good look. It's a pattern of immaturity and bad behavior. So you you really don't want to see that. So he kind of came up and apologized to the media today and apologized to the city of Jacksonville and to the Jaguars. Uh, He sounded immature. He didn't sound like a life-changing moment to me for him, like a come-to-Jesus moment, like a real wake-up call. He just kind of sounded pretty nonchalant, which is how he usually sounds and comes off. Uh, He didn't get to address the second arrest or address any of the speeding tickets. All he got to do was come out and uh, 
pretty much say sorry before he got shuffled off stage. Yeah, just make a quick <laughs> appearance, get some FaceTime, and that's it. Yeah, but what do, what do you take away from his apology? I had to. I actually. I had to step out from, uh, of uh, from listening from in front of the computer. So I, I had to hear secondhand what all was said. Um, I mean, you know, words are words. I he can go out there and spout whatever he wants in front in front of the microphone, but unless until he backs it up, it's just it, it, it's just words. Yeah, you know. I mean, I completely agree. I think he did. I think he even said that he doesn't think that he has immaturity immaturity issues. Or yeah, he said this is this isn't representative of him. Yeah, but it's like, well, we've gotten arrested twice that we know of in the last two years, and you've got all these uh, ridiculous traffic violations. That are not normal. It's not normal. If somebody tries to tell you it's normal to get 10 tickets or whatever he's gotten since 2015, it's just not. Yeah. It's not. And I heard a great quote today. I think it was actually from 1010. They quoted Pat Summit, um, who was legendary Tennessee Volunteers uh, ladies basketball coach. She said, and I'm probably going to butcher this, but if, if essentially... Something to the effect that uh, the more success you have, the more responsibility you have. Right. And I think that's something that some people don't really agree with. I tend to agree with that. The more success you have in your life, the more responsibility you have to carry yourself in the proper manner. Yeah. You have eyeballs looking at you, young eyeballs. Uh, you have so many people listening to you, seeing what you're doing, and... Not even just um, people that are fans of the game or young kids out in Jacksonville, but even players coming up right now through high school yeah. and through college. Exactly. When they see this type of behavior, and it happens all around the league, it's just, in my opinion, creates a bad pattern. Yeah. A pattern that leads to more and more immaturity like this. And when he speaks, Dante Fowler, that is... He has a childlike demeanor, in my opinion, and he has some interesting mannerisms and the way he formulates his sentences and just the tone it comes out with, it seems very nonchalant and non, just maybe not even in the moment. Yeah. I don't know if I'm reading too much into it. Maybe I am. But the way he speaks, I don't get a sincere feeling from him. And it may, a feeling just, of sincerity. It may he just maybe just a real laid back guy, kind of guy yeah. who just and he's never only twenty two, really, and that and that would make sense. You know, he never really takes too much seriously. Um, he's just kind of laid back and roll with the punches. Sometimes makes dumb decisions. Yeah, <laughs> but just whatever happens happens, and he's Dante Fowler. Yeah, you know he can he can withstand whatever. It seems like he really thinks that. Hopefully, he doesn't have to have another come to Jesus moment. Uh, we'll get into some of the comments his teammates made about him, which were mostly positive. Obviously, everyone realizes what he's done hasn't been acceptable on or off the field to this point in his career. But the players are there for him. We'll get more into that. Uh, but Fowler's words were that he he's received nothing but support from the players, which that's good, I guess. Somebody needs to... Give him a swift kick in the ass, in my opinion. Yeah. 
And maybe that's what Doug Marone and Tom Coughlin are doing. He said he spoke to both of them and they had positive conversations. Yeah. So And I could see I could see, you know, I don't where know what that means. You would want to come <laughs> more instead of coming down on a guy with negativity and just say, What well, you're being an idiot, what the hell are you doing? Offer help, you know, offer a solution. Yeah. As as opposed to just burying him under his issues. Right. So I mean Tom Coughlin can be a hard a hard ass. We all no know question. that. But I mean see obviously Doug Marone will do the same thing too. He's he's hard ass. Yeah. And and each player is different. You know, coaches figure out who they can be tough on and who they, you know, yeah, and might have to pick up. Marone specifically said that in a press conference earlier this summer. Yeah. Exactly what you just said. So Marone knows the line, I think, with most players. Hopefully they'll figure out a way to get Dante on track. They've put him next to Paul Puzlesny in the locker room. Their lockers are next to each other. That's a poster boy right there. <laughs> so that's good, yeah. He's obviously the model of consistency on and off the field in terms of Jaguars. So obviously that's good. And Puzlesny, jokingly, when he was asked about it earlier this offseason, he said, yeah, I think it'll be real good for me. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he'll loosen up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So... No, I like Puzlesny a lot in terms of his personality. Mm-hmm. He's he's business when it needs to yeah. be business time. That's for sure. Now, who knows how this will play out. This is going to be a big storyline to watch, the Dante Fowler thing, the whole season. What? And it's an even bigger storyline now that the two arrests came out. It's much bigger. He was already in the crosshairs. He was. Know, this season. Yeah. Now there's that much more. He was in the crosshairs of, I think, the... Diehard fans. Yeah. Now he's in the crosshairs of the entire city. Everyone knows about it now. Yeah. So it's definitely going to be interesting. I want to look at some around the AFC South news. Now that it's like, in my opinion, this is football season now. Oh, yeah. We are full-fledged in football season. Tomorrow morning I'm going to be at Jaguars training camp for the first time in what seems like forever. It's been about a year, obviously. Uh, But... We'll get to go out there and see some football. So for all intents and purposes, for me, it's football season. Now. Yeah. Football season doesn't start in September. Tomorrow <laughs> is two weeks from our first preseason game. How about it? How Ooh. about it? Cheers to that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, around the AFC South, there's interesting stories going on with every team. Malik Hooker. For the Indianapolis Colts, he was their first-round pick, who many believed he could be a top-five, top-ten pick, certainly in terms of the talent to be that type of player. He's placed on the pup list. They believe it's not serious. He had a hamstring tweak uh, in their uh, conditioning drills earlier this week, so he'll come back at any time. But like the Jaguars' secondary, you want to get these guys out there as soon as possible, especially if it's a rookie who you're expecting to really be able to change the personality of your secondary along with um, along with their cornerback that they got from the Gators, uh, Quincy Wilson. Yeah. So they're really trying to re- revamp that secondary, and it's not what you want to start out with. Man, he's, a, he, it's a soft tissue injury, because you know these soft tissue injuries can linger, the, especially for guys that are fast like that, really using their speed. The more he's not on the field, the better for the Jaguars. Yeah. This dude. He's rangy as hell. That's is, the be- Rangy um, is the best way to describe oh him, in my opinion. He's just such, he just has a nose for the football. 
and takeaways are what made him such a high commodity. Yeah. Well, takeaways and just erasing seemingly open passing lanes. Yeah. Just gone. God. He's a good football player. He is. He's Man, the type not, of guy. I'm not happy that the Colts have him. Yeah. I mean, all the teams that are, are in the AFC South added some good talent this offseason. Hooker might be the most talented guy added to any team besides maybe and here we are Leonard just, Fournette. Here we are just pining for the Grigson days, running Grigson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just don't draft anybody on the defensive side of the yeah. ball. It'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> no, now, uh, moving over to Houston, Dwayne Brown, their uh, stud left tackle, who's been maybe the most consistent player in their franchise's existence behind, like, an Andre Johnson. Honestly, he's up there. I mean, J.J. Watt's more prolific, obviously. Yeah. Everyone's always going to remember J.J. Watt. But Dwayne Brown, he's a little bit more unheralded. People that are real NFL diehards obviously know who he is, but the common Jaguar fan probably doesn't really know who this guy is. Mm. But he's been the cornerstone of their offensive line for years. He's in a contract dispute with the Texans. But according to the Texans' GM, Rick Smith, there is no contract <laughs> yeah. dispute. So... Uh, people kind of know how this works. This is the kind of thing that happens in everybody's life. One person wants something. The other side doesn't want it. And uh, the one side's like, we don't have a problem here. Yeah. The, the side that wants the more money does have a problem. So clearly there is a contract dispute. And the fact that the Texans, GM, is coming out and saying there is no contract dispute, despite Dwayne Brown not being at training camp, He's clearly trying to send a message that we're not paying the guy any more money than he's already getting. It's, he's it's, got two years left on his deal. We're not paying him anymore. It's, it's kind of like the Brandon Albert situation yeah. times a thousand. Because he's losing money. Yeah, $40,000 in fines every day. Whew. Man. So that's like a real issue for the Texans. That's not. If, if he's willing to lose money yeah. <laughs> to prove a point, he's serious. Yeah, and I'm. The Texans GM and their brass seem serious about not paying him anymore. And they, the GM even went as far as to say like he's disappointed and that Dwayne Brown should be there. So both sides have seemed pretty set in their ways on what's going to happen there. We'll see. We'll certainly see. It'll be interesting. But if they don't have Dwayne Brown, they might have the worst offensive line in the AFC South, maybe even the entire AFC. Yeah. Now he, PFF rated them very poorly, and without their. I mean, best when you look at their starter, right side of their offensive line, it's terrible. Yeah. You take away their best piece on the left side, and you're like, "Fuck." Yeah. It's so, not good. They better, they better they better get that fixed. Yeah. Pay the man, or don't. I'm fine <laughs> yeah, if he that's sits on them. Yeah. Let them bicker. We'll just sit and watch. Now another contract issue. Titans' fifth overall pick wide receiver Corey Davis is holding out. He's represented by the same guy that represents Solomon Thomas, who's also not signed his deal yet, his rookie deal. And they're represented by the same guy that represented Joey Bosa last year. We all remember Joey Bosa missed all of training camp. He still was able to come in and have a great rookie season. But that's a testament to Bosa, not the agent. Now, this could last a while. 
could last all of training camp. And as a wide receiver, you really need the training camp reps to oh, get yeah. adjusted to a new quarterback, to get adjusted to the speed of the NFL. You know, some guys are good enough that it won't affect them, but I personally don't think Corey Davis is that guy. As a rookie coming from a small school, yeah. I want to go up against NFL players, NFL speed, NFL bodies, because he's probably, As much as possible. Yeah, he's probably never played, okay, maybe a handful of times against somebody who compares to an NFL player. Yeah. But, I mean, at this point, it's not really about the money numbers, because each each pick is slotted to a certain amount. It's most likely incentives, offset language. Um, the Jaguars, for the past couple of years, they've actually, you know, been pretty public um, that they basically fully guaranteed the contracts of their last couple of rookies. Yeah. Most, not most teams, some other teams like the Chargers last year with Joey Bosa had a lot of offset language saying, okay, if you meet, if you don't meet some of these quotas that we set, that basically is no longer guaranteed money. Right. And agents are, obviously they're going to do everything they can. They want to get, get as much guaranteed guys. money as possible. So it's, it's, yeah. it's little... Like wordings of the negotiation, not so much just the sheer numbers. Right, because all that stuff is slotted nowadays, yeah. you know, like you were talking about. It's really just some very minute details that are going to be the issue in any rookie contract dispute at this point. So uh, the Titans also just uh, signed an extension for one of their backup offensive linemen, I believe. Uh can't even remember his name off the top of my head, but they they extended this offensive lineman. It hasn't even come out how how much it's for yet. But he, I think he's a backup uh, offensive tackle that they got in the trade from the Eagles, Doriel Green Beckham trade. Uh-huh. So uh, apparently they like what they see from the guy. Yeah, he originally, like who's, I said, came in with the Eagles. Who's he gonna start up? He's not starting. They're <laughs> yeah. just extending his contract. It's not like a big deal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah. So they just they just did that. Uh, Gary Barnage visited the Jaguars Tuesday. Came and went. No signing. Yeah. I don't like it. Uh, the Jaguars brass knows how to sign guys to non risky deals, yet offer a lot of big money up front. Mm-hmm. And the Jaguars can offer a lot of big money up front this year and probably even the next year. And after that, the way they've done their contracts, you can get out of after two years. So I don't see why they would let the money hold them up unless there's a philosophy issue that uh, Barnish has with the team or something to that extent. I just don't know what the issue would be. It, it could just be that he's, I mean, he's still around and training camp is starting. He could be just a patient guy who's like, let's sit down, think, look at all of our options, you know, weigh the pros and cons of every single thing and then make a decision. He might not sign with the team until like the third week of training or the third week of the preseason just because he can. Yeah. Just because he doesn't want to go through the training camp. Yeah, neither side has closed the door. So the signing could happen for the Jaguars later on in camp. You're right. But if I was them, I would have locked that man up right then and there, got him out on the practice field and got him comfortable with Blake Bortles as quickly as possible. Yeah. Because that's your number one receiving threat at the tight end position by far. Yeah. If he's on the team. Oh, yeah. So, I don't like it. But, 
And instead of signing Gary Barnes, the Jaguars signed a cornerback who probably won't make the team. He could. He's got NFL uh, reps. Stanley mm-hmm. Jean Baptiste, who was drafted by the Saints in 2014, he was actually a second round pick. Yet he's only dressed for four career games. And uh, those were all, I believe, in his rookie year. He's bounced around from several different teams. And now he's landed in Jacksonville, where due to Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Colvin being on the pup list to start training camp, he's going to have an opportunity to impress the coaches. Uh, he's got good height, and, um, good height and weight for the cornerback position. So... He'll have an opportunity to go out and show why he was so highly touted coming into the NFL. And uh, that's something he really hasn't done to this point. He'll definitely get the reps. Somebody's got to. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, in front of him right now, there's only a few guys. So he's going to be getting reps. Yeah. Because of the injuries, like we said, to Colvin and Ramsey, which neither are believed to be serious. They're really just recovering. Ramsey from a... uh, basically what they consider a sports hernia mm-hmm. core muscle injury and Colvin's still just coming back from his offseason. T- tomorrow at practice he's your fourth quarter right now. Yeah, probably. He's <laughs> up there for sure. So he'll be out there. Just bodies wise. Because yeah. you take out the, the two of them, you still have Boye, um, you still have Josh Johnson, um, and then you have Myrick and him. Those yeah. are probably your top four. Well, <laughs> there's Ramsey. a... Um, there's a couple other guys that might be in front of him, but like you said, he's he's going to get some reps. Yeah, There's no okay. question about it. Now, uh, the Jaguars did decide to spend some big money, but it just wasn't on Gary Barnage. They decided to extend Brandon Linder's contract. First Jaguar draft pick of the Dave Caldwell era that's been extended. Uh, they did extend Alan Hearns last year, or prior to last season, but... Not a draft pick. <laughs> he was not a draft pick. He was an undrafted free agent. So this is his first draft pick that he's gotten to re-sign. He obviously whiffed on the entire 2013 draft class. Many franchises missed a lot of picks in that draft. Yeah. Definitely. But the Jaguars just did it spectacularly. If Jokel doesn't get hurt, maybe. I still don't think that was a miss. He's going to play good for Seahawks, man. Yeah. He, he played well. He just should have been drafted as a guard, not a tackle. Yeah. Gosh, that sucks. We could have had him for pretty cheap. He only eight million. Yeah, I mean one year eight million. I'm sure he might take less than eight million if you're offering like three or four years at six or seven, which is so cheap. Now uh, Brandon Linder, record-setting salary for a center uh, in terms of the total contract: five years, fifty-one point seven million. The Jaguars confirmed that he is a center. Right now. At the moment. I don't think that, that anything is set in stone on that offensive line because Doug Maroon said they're going to get the best five out there. If they have to play someone else at center and Linder at right guard to do that, they will. Uh, so for now, he's a center. For now, he's the highest paid center in NFL history. And uh, even if he is getting paid as a guard, he's still one of the higher upper echelon guards in terms of he'd, he'd be He's top money. five. But he's yeah he's not at the top in terms of guards but he would be so just he's an interior lineman yeah. he can play center he can play guard and he can do it at a high level. Now some people, I would say most people are happy about the deal. It's only twenty four million guaranteed, 
which again the Jaguars always do a great job of covering their ass on these big deals. Dave, me, Dave Caldwell and John Edzik just do magic back there. To me, it was just a matter of when. I yeah. mean, it, to, it was a no-brainer. To me, you get it done. Yeah, the only question is injuries. Now, he's missed time in each of his three seasons. However, last year he only missed two games. His rookie year he only missed one game. The middle year, he missed all but three games. So he was out for 13 games that year. Now, obviously, if you take away that year... He's been relatively healthy. Yeah. You'll, take, you'll take three missed games in two seasons. Yeah. You would like less, but you'll take that, and you wouldn't be considered a injury concern if you missed three games in two years. But that's not what's happened, unfortunately. You can't just take away that middle year. Uh, and so he's missed 16 games. A third of his games that he could have played in so far, he's missed. Pretty darn good in the ones he played in. <laughs> yeah, he's absolutely a stud in the ones he's played in. And some people, I don't think, realize just how good he is because interior linemen just don't get talked about the same amount that other positions do. And the lay football fan, the regular Joe Sixpack, doesn't really know offensive line play that well. Mm. We're no offensive line es- experts on this show, but... We can study and recognize and figure out, you know, who's playing well and who's not playing yeah. well. And Brandon Linder always plays well, okay. for the most part. Always plays well. I think he might have struggled a little bit with uh, Darius last year, the year before Marcel Marcel's Darius. Yeah. But that guy's a freak. Yeah. Um, so he's hold, held his own and done really well against a lot of really talented defensive linemen that the Jaguars have played against. In the last couple of years, I completely am fine with the contract. I'm happy they got it done. Uh, I don't care that he's the highest paid center in NFL history. That People blow that out of proportion, too. Because he's not going to be the highest paid center in NFL history next season. Someone else will be. Yeah. This is the way the NFL works now. Every year, there's new guys that set the market. Because Brandon Linder's setting the market for next year. La- there's... There's more money this year than there was last year, and there's going to be more money next year. Right. So there's always going to be more money to spend on players. That's just the way it is. Yeah. And when you look at what he's actually been able to do, though, Pro Football Focus does do a good job grading offensive linemen, and that's a great resource for people that don't really understand how to watch offensive line. Yeah. He's been a stud by Pro Football Focus's standards for quite a while, uh, anyone who watches him and watches his film, you can tell he's playing really good football, and he's got the position versatility along the entire interior offensive line. And Doug Marone thinks he could even play right tackle if they had that happen out there. <laughs> I and hope I, I don't put that. it past him. I don't. I to me, he's the most consistent offensive player we've had since he's been a rookie every single year. Yeah. 2014 Easily. he was the Jaguars highest graded player. Yeah. As a rookie. football focus. As a rookie, yeah. Now, there's been some guys that we'll get into about the uh, highest graded players for a whole season for the Jaguars. Looking a few years back, there's some names on there that you're going to be pretty <laughs> shocked to see. Yeah. But we'll get into that in our PFF minute. Again, you're listening to the Gen Jag podcast. Find us online at genjag.com. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We were all over all that good stuff. You can find my co-host, Scott Klein, at ScottKlein1 on Twitter. Find myself, at Jordan DeLugo on Twitter. 
And of course, if you're not a member of Generation Jaguar, go check that out. You get to drink and eat for free at all our home game tailgates, and you get a lot of other cool membership benefits, including our badass Duval Against the World shirts. So go check it out, and you can find that information at genjag.com. And this episode, as with every episode, is presented by Bold City Brewery, the best damn brewery in Jacksonville. No, actually, Jacksonville's got an amazing amount of breweries. If you guys aren't getting out there and trying them out, shame on you. Drink local. That's right. So even if you're not drinking... uh, Don't be a fool. (laughs) Even if you're not drinking the best beer in Jacksonville, which is Bold City, get out and try. Yeah, just any any local brewery out there obviously the first choice would be bold city yeah <laughs> but if for some reason you don't you can't get over there just drink local yeah know, support the support the local guys no question now let's take a look at what the uh jaguars coaches and players had to say after i guess they haven't even had a real official team meeting i guess after reporting after everybody reported today uh Marone came out and talked. He mostly just talked about winning. He really blew up on Mark Long when when Marone, Marone was asked what the message will be in the first team meeting, and he was like, you know, it's going to be mainly about winning. And Mark Long asks, oh, why is that? <laughs> and Marone kind of took a little offense to that. He started yelling at the guy. <laughs> I think it was a joke on Marone's part, but, like, he gets so excited. He's, he's intimidated. It's he, pretty he, funny. He was getting loud. Yeah, so he was like, are you kidding me? What are we doing here? Yeah. Like, what, what, that's, that, it, it answers itself. Like, we are here to win. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you don't follow that, not <laughs> yeah. sure. But, you know, no offense to Mark Long or any of the guys that are down there listening to all the press conferences every day, but they're not used to hearing about winning. They're, yeah, they're used to about hearing about getting better. Yeah, getting better and the process. The wins will come. And, yeah. I swear we heard the word win or winning more times in the press conference today than I heard in the last four years from entire Jaguars coaching staff and players and all the press conferences. I swear. So that's what you want. You want them to focus on winning. I mean, Doug Marone's like, I'm trying to win this press conference. I'm going to be trying to win what I do after this press conference. So... I think he's really adopting very well to working with Tom. I think they just feed off of each other. And I think, and well, you know that after that, they might not have talked yet. I'm sure they probably have though. But I'm sure Caldwell and Tom and all of them and the coaches are just <laughs> laughing at that one, it's at that question like, from yeah. Mark Long. <laughs> Poor that's guy. What we're here for? Yeah. Like that's <laughs> if you're not going to come here to win, what are you doing? I am not sure, my friend. Now, Calais Campbell also spoke uh, to the media. He says he believes the team is special, and the media kind of got after him a little bit. Like, how do you know this team's special already? But why? But why do you think that? Yeah, and basically, they were, I don't know, it seemed like a little bit of a witch hunt with that question. Yeah. I thought it was a little annoying. But I get what the media was saying. Um, Essentially, why... Why would you claim that this team is special when you haven't even really seen anything? Yeah, yet? pads haven't and even he's gone like, yet. Everyone is buying in. Yeah. Everyone you can tell is focused on all the little things. Everything it takes to win. Anything it takes to win. That's what everyone wants to do. And if he's right about that, that's great. They're yeah. certainly walking the walk at this point. They need to talk the talk. 
I just feel like being unified and buying into one singular message can do wonders because everyone's on the same page. Right. You know, when there's when you've got <laughs> when you've got a talented roster like we have, supposedly, you know, it even, is talented. Even, even Mercedes Lewis started talking about, you know, he got a question about what it's been like, you know, that where 2007 was the most successful season he's had. Yeah. The only well, he actually season. brought up that season. Um, he said we've got more talent yeah. than that. Yeah, that was the only season he said that really compares. Yeah, and uh, that's awesome. I agree with him 100. percent But it's interesting the fact that you know the players really look around the rest of the roster and are like, "How good are we this year? What yeah. do we have? We've and, got an opportunity." Yeah. To go out there and win. Everyone's on the same page. Everyone wants the same thing. It's basically one mind trying to work together as a cohesive unit to get the job done. And I don't feel like that was really the message the last couple of years. It was basically like you focus on becoming better as a person and a player yourself as opposed to coming together and ever, everyone working towards a unified goal. Yeah, I'm with you, man. And it's good to see uh, Mercedes also talked about how if he was able to get the or help get this team back to 2007 status or even better than that, that would like almost make his career and allow him to feel (laughs) allow him to feel like he did what he needed to do. He he, it was funny. He started off in the conference. He's like, yeah, I think I think I got three or four left in me. He's like, at this point in my career. I'm just I'm just here to win, man. I just want to win. Yeah. That's what Again, he's, that was he's ready. The, that was the theme the whole press conference, winning. And uh Paz and Mercedes and Calais for that matter all talked about being there for Dante mm-hmm. and just having his back and they really want to see him succeed because they know his potential is you know, off the charts. I kind of felt like that was a loaded like obviously you knew it was coming, but it's just like you're pushing. You're painting the guy in the corner. I mean, what yeah. what is what's he gonna say? You oh, can't no, say he's an hey. idiot. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Basically, they had one option. It's that's to say, you know, we support him if he if he wants to help. You know, we'll be more than glad to give it to him. But yeah. that's and maybe that's do. why maybe that's why Calais, Paz, and Mercedes were the guys that came out and talked today because mm-hmm. you know, as an organization, that if they get these questions, they can handle them. Yeah. Not only because they're experienced, but just because their professional demeanor. In their entire life, and because when they when they say something, you know they mean it, and yeah. you know they they they're not talking out of the side of their mouth. You know, if they say, "Hey, if this guy's open to t- to taking constructive criticism, we'll give it." Yeah, and we'll give it everything that we have. So you know, I mean, I think it's a solid group of guys that they sent out here, and you're probably right. You know, it, it, they probably had. They knew Dante Fowler was gonna have was gonna be like a focal point of the press conference. Yeah, and those guys handled it the only way that they could, really. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Now, again, Dante after the press conference was over, Dante came out, did his thing, was very unimpressive, in my opinion. People can think what they want. You can go check out the video. I'm sure you can find it. Certainly on Twitter. And maybe on some of the local news outlets of his apology, but I'm not buying it yet at all. Now, before we get into 
ranking the AFC South O-lines and our Pro Football Focus Minute and talking about which guy needs to be extended next in terms of 2014 draft picks. Let's do our pop-top moment. We've got Ah. this downtown Duty Brown. Not Judy, and it's not duty like the duty that comes from you know where. So it's a downtown duty, like D U T Y. Yeah. Like to do you have a duty to drink this beer and enjoy it. That's right. It's our duties. So we'll go ahead and uh, give this a try here in just a second. Gotta finish our other beers first. So we can enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, now this is the chugging part of the podcast. Join along if you are partaking as well. <sighs> Alright. So again, this is a brown ale. Um Dukes, which is Bold City's flagship beer, is also a brown ale. So they've got some experience doing some brown ales, no question about it. And uh, we'll give it a whirl here. Oh, wow. Much different flavor than Dukes, which is cool. That is not what I was expecting. Yeah. It's, It's kind of, to me, it's got a hint of like, a little bit of that the screamsicle to where it's got that that sweet note to it but it's still got that dark beer like undertone yeah i really like yeah. it yeah that's solid way to go jeremy yeah again if you weren't listening earlier jeremy's the brewer who made this over at bold city brewery or brewed it i should say um first open practice and training camp uh is tomorrow i'll be out there everybody make sure to go if you're a fan, it's free. Get your tickets. They're free on jaguars.com. Come uh, say hi if you have nice things to say. I'll say it like I did last week. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't come say hi. Or come say it to me. <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll talk to you. <laughs> I'm, not, uh, I'm not big on dealing with people who have negative energy. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just, uh, if you have anything negative to say, let me just do my thing out there. Don't bother me. Now, um, before we talk about the AFC, AFC South offensive lines, I want to get into who, who needs to get extended next in your opinion. I think we know who will get extended next, mm-hmm. which is Allen Robinson, because He's come out and said that the Jaguars in his camp have been having talks about the new contract. And it just, logically, it makes sense. It's basically between Allen Robinson and Telvin Smith in terms of who gets the contract next. Mm. Sorry, Telvin Smith, but weak side linebacker is not as important as a yeah. as a number one wide receiver. Okay. Or even a number two a wide receiver. A pro caliber wide receiver. <laughs> yeah, so looks like it's going to be A-Rob. But A-Rob will command more money than Telvin Smith. Yeah. Telvin likely would get around $7 million a year. That's pretty cheap. That's only a million bucks more than Chris Ivory. That's probably half of what A-Rob would make a year. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking A-Rob's in 12 to $13 million range. Yeah. Uh, I think T.Y. makes like 13 or 14 I think T.Y. deserves a little bit more money than Allen Robinson right now yeah. in terms of another guy from the AFC South that uh, you can look at there. Now, Allen Robinson could certainly have a better career than T.Y., but T.Y. is coming off a year that he just led the NFL in receiving yards. People don't realize how good he is. And uh, 
I'm not one of those people. I yeah. really am high on T.Y. Yeah. Hilton. People just think he's a speed merchant, but he's a hell of a receiver, and he is eerily reminiscent of Marvin Harrison, in my yeah. opinion. He really has a similar game. The ability to get those feet down, and uh, obviously they're both on the smaller side in terms of star-wide receivers. He kind of gave Jalen a little bit of trouble last year, too. <laughs> he's going to give anybody trouble. Again, he led the league yeah. in receiving us. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> so, he's a he's an impressive guy. But if it were you, would you be trying to lock both of these guys up right now? Would you be trying to mar- lock up Marquise Lee? I mean, I've I've said it on here. Pay both the wide receivers. I mean, you got the money. There's, there's pay both know, the wide receivers before Telvin. Well, no, I think. A-Rob, Telvin, and then if Lee fits in there, go ahead and sign him Which up. he probably won't, yeah. in my opinion. I mean, you got Westbrook as a contingency plan. You still have Allen Hurts. Yeah. You can draft someone next year that can come in and be a good backup, probably. Uh, so, I think Lee's going to be the odd man out. The only way I would say he might not be is if he, like, goes to the Pro Bowl this year. Yeah. Then they might be he like, a, we gotta find a way to bring this guy back. But he took a big step in the first year. He was really able to stay healthy. Yeah, huge step. Really impressive season. Yeah. But his really impressive season pales in comparison <laughs> yeah. to Allen Robinson's really. Or even Allen Hearns's. Yes, or even Allen Hearns' best yeah. season. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. I would certainly lock up both Allen Robinson and Telvin Smith before this season starts. Yeah. It's easy for me. You get rid of Chris Ivory next year, there's Selvin Smith's contract, you're good to go. Right? Yeah. Uh, Puzlesny might not be back next year. That's $5 million off the books. That's $5 million towards either Telvin or A-Rob. Even if you keep Puzlesny, you're all right. They still have $37 million to work with right now. Yeah. That's, that's a lot and of And you're going to probably see a couple of the free agents that they still have from years past like Chris Ivory, probably yeah. fall by the wayside. Mm-hmm. So they're still in they're still in good position to sign their guys. Oh yeah. They really are. So I'm happy about that. Now, ASC South offensive lines. There's one offensive line that stands far and above the rest of the offensive lines in this division, and that is the Tennessee Titans. They could be the best offensive line in all of football. Taylor Lewan on the left tackle. Quentin Spain, left guard. Ben Jones, center. Josh Klein. Hey, he spells it wrong, but yeah, still. Whatever. We can give him some credit. At right guard. And then Jack Conklin, who was a rookie, yeah. was the best right tackle in football. I got some Even though Scott that. has a little bit of a differing opinion on that. Uh, Jack Conklin was absolutely a beast last year. So their entire starting five offensive line is now really, really good. Yeah. Each one of them. And they even have good backups. Ben Jones is very, very solid. Center. center. The center, yeah. yeah. He, in terms of PFF grades, he's comp- comparable to Brandon Linder. Yeah. I think I might be being biased. I don't think I am. I think Brandon Linder's better. Yeah, I agree. Uh so. I just think as one of the kind of unspoken guys in the NFL, you say Ben Jones to... No one knows who that is. Yeah. I mean, uh, Quentin Spain, I think, has more name recognition than Ben Jones. 
Yeah. No, I mean, I they, they, they do got some good pieces. I don't think Jack Conklin is the best right tackle in the NFL. <laughs> I mean... He, he performed at an extremely high level in the scheme that they were running. It, yeah. If he was, he's placed perfectly because he, a lot of times, had a tight end sitting right in his pocket to help. Yeah. So, I mean, he wasn't exposed to a lot last season. Um, I mean, moving forward, let's see if, if he's, you know, left out on an island without anybody sitting right next to him to help block. Which it doesn't seat. look like that's going to happen a lot this year, at least. Yeah. Because, I mean, they're going to be doing the same thing they did last year. Pound the rock. Now, teams are going to try to combat that. And that might be an interesting topic for further a different episode. Is kind of looking at teams in the NFL that generally do really well kind of break, not always, but sometimes break the mold of what the trend in the NFL is. So if everyone in the NFL is trying to draft speed on defense, how do you beat speed on defense? Get big. Right. Get big and strong. So if everyone else in the league is just trying to be faster than you on, on defense or trying to be fast in general on defense, if you just build up your offensive line with a bunch of maulers and get some badass running backs like uh, they have up in Tennessee in terms of, you know, Derrick Henry and uh, DeMarco DeMarco Murray, Murray, how is a team that has linebackers that are 220 pounds going to stop that? Telvin might have something to say. (laughs) He certainly will, but... You put Telvin one on one with either of those guys. I'm not taking Telvin, it's, unfortunately. It's, it's kind of like, are you? Well, no. I mean, he <laughs> no. It's it's kind of like when um, when the, we first started seeing the shift to a really pass happy league, and then Miami comes out with the Wildcat and right. wins like ten or eleven games, and then the next yeah, year they really freaking did it with Ronnie Brown oh, that year. Goodness. That was something else. But no, it's it's. When when you get such a swing out of the norm, you send you and that was gimmicky as hell. This really doesn't seem like a gimmick offense, in my opinion. Just seems like hard nosed football, Uh, getting out and really getting those offensive linemen in space, just running people over. So, I think they're built for the long haul. Taylor Lewan and Conklin are both really young, and. in terms of Ben Jones, he's a younger guy too. I, 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 you just you better hope that you can stay competitive. You can stay competitive and stay in a game because they are not built to come from behind. Well, yeah, they're I, not. I do think Mary I think Mary they Mary. have more potential to do that than they have in years past by a lot. Uh, just because Eric Decker is a clutch football player, he's a good football player. Um, and if you know Davis ever gets into camp and gets acclimated, you got that. Delaney Walker is a matchup nightmare yeah. at tight end, and uh, they can play with balance. They can get chunk plays, not passing the ball. Yeah. And yeah, if they're down twenty-one points, they're probably not a team that's going to win the game. But you've seen some big offensive outputs from them, and they've done it against the Jaguars too a couple times. <laughs> yeah. We're not the we're not the highlight bright answer to that question as yeah. far as who's going to stop them, but I mean, with with the fast paced blitz sort of get down and score as quick as you can with in the passing game, 
way this is, you can go down two, three scores in an instant yeah. <laughs> in this league. So, I mean, if they want to... They, they've had success. Last year, if, if Mariota didn't get hurt, who knows what could have happened. They're a playoff team. Yeah. Although they still weren't beating us if he didn't get hurt in that game. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was an ugly game by them, for sure. And an ugly blunder by the Titans uh, staff. Uh, whoever sends out their t- their season ticket holder tickets. They sent out the playoff tickets before oh, securing the playoff no. spot. Yeah, so not a great day by them. Now, apparently the Titans have this motto that they got going on, no bad days. They had a pretty bad day against the Jaguars on Christmas Eve last yeah. year, so I don't know. I don't know about that. Now, getting back to the rest of the AFC South offensive lines, I was of the I was under the impression that Dwayne Brown would come to camp and be not a real holdout, which it looks like for the Texans he is going to be a real big time holdout that's could last a while. So I'm putting the Jaguars in front of the Texans for sure now at this yeah. point. Brandon Linder's a stud center. Brandon Albert should be an upgrade at left tackle. Jeremy Parnell was good at a right tackle over the last six games after he got done battling his groin injury. And you've got enough pieces to get two good other interior linemen besides Brandon Linder on the field. Because Omame is a good player, not great. Maybe even just average to good, yeah. depending on what day. He's, he's a player that you could feel comfortable putting out there. You feel comfortable with Tyler Shatley out there at center or guard, probably. You might feel comfortable with Luke Bowenko out there at center or guard. You might feel comfortable with Earl Watford out there because he can play a center guard or tackle. You don't know how well he's going to do it yet, but he comes highly regarded by Calais Campbell. Uh, so Jaguars got an offensive line that is deep. There's going to be guys that we know very well and we know their skill sets that are not going to make the roster. They might not have the best starting five yet, but they might have a really solid starting five by season's end. And I want to say, we failed to mention during the press conference talk, um, Cam Robinson, and he was touched upon, he was, you know, they touched upon him yeah. uh, talking about what he would play. They've, they, they've claimed, oh, we've only spoken to him about playing left tackle. I don't buy it. Yeah. I, I, I believe maybe their intentions with him, they've only talked about him, him being the left tackle to push him to try and win the left tackle job. But you're not going to take him off the field because he's not the left tackle. If he can slide over and play guard, right? if he's one of the best five guys, you put him on the field. Right. Marone's consistently said, we're going to get the best five guys out yeah. there. Cam Robinson's got to be one of the best five guys. He's by far. So, that'll be a really interesting thing to watch throughout training camp, Those that offensive line. Now, we'll go Texans third place, but really at this point, they could be the worst offensive line in the division. Yeah, they, PFF had him as the 29th overall in the league. And that was with Dwayne Brown. Yeah. Dwayne Brown hasn't gotten there yet. They don't know what the hell's going on on the right side. They've got Nick Martin returning at center. So they're a mess. And, you know, the Colts' right side of their line is also a mess. You don't know what's going on over there. And then on the left side, you've got Costanzo and Muhort, who are 
good at times. They haven't been great. Andrew Luck certainly got hit way too much last year, and he has most of his career. And then in the middle, you've got Ryan Kelly, who, in terms of AFC South interior linemen, it's going to be Kelly and Linder. And Ben Jones is up there, too, yeah. but he's in a, he, terms of the really good ones for good the next young, few he's years. He's a good young football player. Yeah. So all of them have their bright spots. Looks like the Colts have the worst one. <laughs> Texans could have the worst one, maybe. We'll see what happens there. And then you would think Titans have a great one. Jaguars have one that is okay but could be good. Yeah, we were ranked 13th overall when PFF did their offensive line rankings. Yeah. So, I mean, top half of, top half of the league, you can work with that. Yeah. As, especially when you've got... At least a couple guys that you really, really like. Yeah. Because you really, really like Brandon Leonard. You really, really like Cam Robinson. You really, really like what you saw from Brandon Albert less than two years ago. Okay. In 2015 when he made the Pro Bowl. So, you gotta got to be cautiously optimistic, in my opinion, with the Jaguars' offensive line. Could you be more optimistic if they had brought in a Zeitler? Instead of letting him walk? Yeah. Giving him $12 million? Yeah, you could be a lot more excited. But the Jaguars brass didn't feel comfortable doing it, and that's not what not what and inspired. Hon- and honestly, who's going to turn down the Browns? I mean, they come calling. You can't say no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe he just didn't want to leave Ohio. Yeah. He was playing in Cincinnati, so who knows there. But uh, Scott just brought up PFF. We'll go ahead and get into our PFF minute here. Uh, last year... Jonathan Ciprian was the highest-rated Jaguar. We all know that that scheme allowed him to just sit in the box. He was basically, and that's why he was rated so highly. He's he did that. He did that pretty well. You would see when he got in positions where he's covering a zone, he wouldn't be nearly as uh, effective or effective at all. Now, uh, PFF gave us a graphic with the last five years' highest-rated Jaguar players. So Cyprian 2016, A-Rob 2015, that's no surprise. He was an absolute stud. And then uh, that was his 1,400-yard, 14-touchdown season. Brandon Linder in 2014, his rookie year, he's the highest-rated Jaguar. That's really impressive, uh, in my opinion, to be up there as a rookie. That's just awesome. Now, the two prior years, (laughs) these names are really going to surprise some people. Leroy Reynolds was the highest-rated Jaguar in 2013. That's god-awful. How? I mean, uh, not, no knock on Leroy Reynolds. We, he's, he's we remember Leroy, excuse me, Leroy very well. We were fans of Leroy, but um, yeah. he was never a guy that was an amazing standout he besides should, on special teams. He should never be the highest-rated player on your team. No. Ever. That is a real head-scratcher there. And now the one before that is a head-scratcher still, but... Not as much of a head-scratcher. Dwight Lowry, he did come in and play some very good free safety for the Jaguars for a couple years. I was a fan of his when he was in Jacksonville. He seemed like a guy that really gave it his all and got the most out of his talent. Yeah. So I was a big fan of his. Uh, So, yeah, that's your last five years. Best players, according to PFF. Um, Now, they also gave out the highest player grade for any specific game for each of the AFC South teams. And Jaguars players 
were on uh, two of those because A.J. Boye got the highest rated games for the game for the Texans last year. And, of course, Paul Puzlesny got the highest rated game for the Jaguars. No surprise, Andrew Luck got the highest rated game for the Colts. Big surprise, LaShawn Sims, who is a uh, not very well-known cornerback for the Tennessee Titans, had a, their highest rated games. And this is one of the issues we kind of do get on with PFF. Sometimes they're just it doesn't really match up to what's actually transpiring. Yeah. When you look at the Titans and how effective their offensive line was last year, how effective their running backs were last year. And just how and dominant at times Mariota could be with yeah. a combination of running and throwing. And how does LaShawn Sims come out with the highest rated yeah. grade when in that game he only had like six tackles or five tackles, a pass breakup and a tackle for loss or something yeah. like that. He didn't like get two interceptions or three interceptions yeah. and like five pass breakups. It was just like that does yeah, like, it doesn't mesh for me. Okay. So like giving us that doesn't really give the fan anything to look at. Yeah. Or riders. Uh, the uh, Jaguars' secondary position ranks came out from Pro Football Focus. Ramsey was the 21st ranked corner. He obviously didn't get off to a super hot start, even though he was still playing well at the beginning of the season. I think he really played at an elite level the last half of the season. I, I think it took him to like game three or four to even give up 100 yards passing. <laughs> And that was still considered a slow start. Yeah. So, Gibson had a slow year. He was brought in to create turnovers. He only had one interception. Obviously, he's got to get more production this year. Prince of Mukamura, you owe us that interception. (laughs) Yeah, so Gibson was 57th among all safeties. That's including free and strong safety. Barry Church, his strong safety counterpart, who played for the Cowboys last year. That's my dude. He... Ranked 11th among all safeties, so that's really impressive. If he can duplicate that, that's going to be really something to watch in that secondary. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to go out and get a Barry Church jersey, just do it, to, man. before the season starts. Just that's my dude. That's my dude. That's right. I'm, I'm buying in. That is guy. Scott's watching, dude, man. That's my guy. I'm gonna go out and get one. Hell yeah, do it. And then Boye was the third ranked corner by Pro Football Focus. So. We've talked about it all offseason. This secondary looks like it might be the best secondary in football in terms of uh, at the top. Depth-wise, it's certainly not. You like your backup safeties a little bit, but they're unproven. Uh, You obviously like your nickel corner and Aaron Colvin. And um, beyond that, it's a little questionable. Now, Leonard Fournette, they uh, put up the top-graded running back seasons in college football over the last three years. Leonard Fournette's 2015 season got rated out the highest, so that's cool for him. Kareem Hunt, who was drafted by the Chiefs, had a second highest, and that was this year. He played for the Toledo Rockets. He put up all sorts of numbers over there. And uh, Spencer Ware is going to be needed to looking over his shoulder at Kareem Hunt because that's a talented running back right there. And Christian McCaffrey in 2015, the year he almost won the Heisman, he was the third highest grade over the last three years. He's obviously in Carolina. They're going to have an interesting offensive adjustment getting him the ball up there. He's going to be fun to watch, man. That guy, he can, he's a good football player. Him and Cam Newton, it's going to be dangerous. It, it is, but it's, it's going to be an adjustment for both of okay. them. A big adjustment. Um, McCaffrey's not really used to their running style, in my opinion. I've watched Stanford and 
Carolina, there's going to be some adjustments. Yeah. For I, man, I think he's just got a talent. He's he does he man. And you know, if he's player. not a great running back for you, just put him out slot receiver. Yeah. You'll be all good. So, uh, Telvin Smith was the most targeted linebacker in the league in pass coverage last year. Don't know what that means. Maybe that has a lot to do with the scheme the Jaguars were running and uh, just where the Jaguars design plays to kind of go for the offense. You know what I mean? They kind of try to get the ball to go to a specific place based on the defensive scheme. Telvin graded out very highly last year, according to Pro Football Focus, so... He must have not been terrible in those 92 targets that he had in past coverage. And if you think about it, if there's three linebackers on the field, the Sam is probably going to be on the ball. He's going to be on near the line of scrimmage, trying to be the point of attack. So on the back end, you're probably going to have somebody who's going to be more in a coverage role. Speaking of that, Puz Lesney uh, commented about his position switch today, switching gears real quick. Um, he... Talked about he's going to be on the line of scrimmage and off the line of scrimmage some. But he believes the coaches are going to put him in the best position to succeed, which we all know is not on the ball, on the line of scrimmage. Yeah. So there might be an adjustment with the Jaguars' Sam position this year. So yeah, There's going to be a lot of changes, whether it's Sam linebacker or free safety, a strong safety yeah. uh, interchange, now that we're going to be looking at it. Um, so, I mean... Cornerback safety interchange. Yeah, it's, it's going to... I'm excited to see what this defense is really going to be capable of. Me too, I really am. Like scheme-wise, not not just new players coming. Yeah. In. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how much Todd Wash can adjust that yeah. scheme. And speaking of Todd Wash, let's get into our keep one let one walk for this week. Last segment of the episode. Nathaniel Hackett, Jaguars offensive coordinator versus Todd Wash, Jaguars defensive ding, coordinator. Ding, 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 ding. Who do we have? Who are you taking? Who are you going to let go to some other team and guide their defense or offense to success while we sit back in Jacksonville and continue to suck? No, I was totally good. Yeah, I, I, I was very not too thrilled when both of, both of these guys were brought back on the staff. Yes, at the end of last season, Todd Wash was the defensive coordinator. He's been the defensive coordinator since the beginning of, uh, since really summertime, not even summertime. They named him the defensive coordinator, I believe in February or January of 2016. He actually sat in a couple of the interviews of the other candidates, which is bizarre. He was the defensive coordinator going into last year. Hackett was just the quarterback coach going into last year. You have the awful, catastrophic, terrible play by Blake Bortles in the offense. And so you get rid of uh, Olson, Greg Olson, who was the offensive coordinator, and you pro- promote Hackett. So Hackett got to be uh, Doug Marone's superior for a little while. And then yeah. Doug's like, nah, I think I'm just going to become your head coach. <laughs> if you don't know their relationship, Marone's had Hackett on his staff for a while. He was with him in Buffalo. Yeah. So well. um, I would say the, the deci- it was tough for me. Because it's kind of hard to judge both of them because you really don't know how much Gus Bradley had his fingers on the defense. I would say a lot. I, I would tend to agree. Yeah. But there were play calling issues that I had really at end, end of game situations that really just got under my skin. And then also with Nathaniel Hackett seemed to, you know, come on, have success running really another person's scheme. Yeah. 
So I, I tend to lean toward Hackett because in this league, offense wins. You know, it's been shifting that way for quite a few years. You still have to have solid defense, but really, I mean, look at the Super Bowl. Yeah. If Tom Brady doesn't come back and, and go crazy they, while being down 28-3. to Or if the 49ers' new head coach didn't <laughs> yeah, royally <laughs> F the game up. Yeah. That um, probably haunts him. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't be able to sleep in that. Oh, poor guy. But to me, Nathaniel Hackett did more with Greg Ol- Olson's offense than Greg Olson did. Yeah. <laughs> I wanna, I would, I, I'm excited to see what he is able to install and how different it looks versus Wash, who was really the guy last year, who was really kind of influenced by the head coach. So I would pick Hackett based on the fact that you know, he was kind of had one hand tied behind his back and was still able to outperform his predecessor. Right. Now, I'm going to take Hackett, but for a different reason. A couple reasons. I think a nutless monkey could manage <laughs> the Jaguars' defense this year. Okay, true. Very They've good got point. coaches on the field at every level in terms of Calais Campbell. <laughs> Paul yeah. Puzlesny, Telvin Smith to a certain extent, and, you know, Barry Church at the back end. So, I don't yeah. care who the defensive coordinator is. This is true. Just let those guys go out and ball. Yeah. Now, defensive coordinators can take good defenses and make them great. I think this is going to be a great defense no matter what play calls are being called. Yeah. There's too much talent. Oh, yeah. There really is. So, back to the offensive side of the ball. I'll take Nathaniel Hackett because... This is a delicate situation on offense. Oh, yeah. Wide receivers are coming off a crap year where they just... Lee, Hearns, and Robinson, as a trio, led the league in drops. Uh, running game non-existent. Quarterback play terrible. Pass blocking, okay. Run blocking, garbage. Um you need a guy that can manage this offense and know what this offense needs. What this offense needs is to run the ball... And to put Blake Bortles in as good of situations as possible when he has to drop back to throw the ball. That's what you got to do. And that's what Hackett's going to do. Not only because he's got a good rapport with Bortles, but because that's just what Doug Marone and Nathaniel Hackett do with their offenses. They run the ball and play conservative football. Now, it might irritate some Jaguars fans at points this year that want to see uh, more offensive production or higher tempo which they'll run some tempo, but they're going to run the ball a lot. There's no question about it. So I'll take Hackett all day. Not even close for me. Not that I don't like Todd Wash, because I do like Todd Wash. But again, very unproven. Both guys are, really, to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. I would say Hackett's more proven. He's had the offensive coordinator job somewhere else before. Granted, it was with the same head coach, but... You gotta like Hackett, in my opinion. His rapport with Bortles, who is the key to the Jaguars' season, and uh, and it was it yeah. was just you could just see it. Not even you could just see like the, the the shots on the broadcast to where he was going up to Blake Bortles, talking to him, you know, after a series where Greg Olson just seemed in his own world. Yeah, they and were like let, they let, had let, an issue. Let him do his own thing over there. I'm gonna focus on the next drive. Mm-hmm. It just it was it right was about bizarre. that. Now, 
we almost let this episode go by without introducing one of our newest uh, things that we would like to do around here, which is the Gen Jag Twitter poll for the week. Yes. The Gen Jag podcast. Uh, we forgot about it because we really got into it on last week's episode. It's Chris Ivory versus TJ Yeldon. Who do you want to be the team's primary backup? Now, we got a lot, a lot of responses on our Twitter poll. I think it was around 150. We also put the poll up on Reddit. Um, we got less responses on Reddit, but of course Twitter is just a much bigger community in terms of Jaguars fans than Reddit is. But shout out to Jaguars Reddit. We love you guys. Um, on Twitter, Ivory narrowly won 48% to 41% over uh, TJ Yeldon. Now, I'm not shocked at that because I think a lot of people that are fans are kind of sick of TJ Yeldon because they've had to deal with him for two years, dealt with his injuries, dealt with his lack of home run speed or lack of long run speed at all. And people are just kind of sick of having him around. Whereas with Chris Ivory, oh, well, he was kind of injured last year. And the year before that with the Jets, he was amazing. He led the AFC's, AFC in rushing. So there might be more of like... The known versus the unknown. Or they just know that he's a better football player like I do. <laughs> right. Scott Scott is on the um, Chris Ivory side. I'm on the TJ Yeldon side. I really don't think it's fair to say either one is a better football player at this point. Neither of them was overly impressive last year. However, I would take Yeldon simply due to the fact that I think he complements Leonard Fournette better. And I think he complements the offense better. He's an excellent third down as well yeah he can run between the tackles effectively if there's space you know there's got to be space for any running back Leonard Fournette there probably needs to be a little bit less space (laughs) than for TJ Yeldon or Chris Ivory I also I also believe that the only successful outside run play was when TJ Yeldon bounced it outside when it was actually designed to go inside yeah there was a couple that Ivory had that were decent and Ivory showed some flashes he did I mean if you're talking 2015, Ivory, I'll take that all day, but that's not what I saw last year. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe it was his mysterious injury to start the season. Maybe it wasn't. Who knows? We'll certainly find out what the coaching staff and management uh, thinks here pretty soon. And they probably will both make the team, but they might not. You don't know. Might Corey get rid Grant's of one knocking on the door. Corey Grant. He's always Yeah, a couple people put out that they wanted Corey Grant to be the Jaguars' primary backup. I'm not buying that. 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 Uh, He's not not an every-down back, just plain and simple. And yes, he has the speed that you love, but he's not shifty, uh, unfortunately for him. He doesn't have great elusiveness. Uh, And then I even got some Jonas Gray comments. Who's not even on the team anymore. Get out of here. Good stuff. So, yeah. Gotta (laughs) love that. But that's going to pretty much do it for our show today. Thanks for listening, everybody. I had a great time. Of course, we missed Hunter, our uh, third co-host. But I think we managed pretty well today. We got some great beers in us and got, got in a lot. It's been a little bit of a longer episode than usual. But I think if you're listening to the podcast and you're upset about the length, I mean... That's not a great sign for us, I guess. (laughs) So let us know if you don't like it. Uh, But, no, in all seriousness, thanks for listening. We have a great time talking Jaguars football. If you have any 
comments, criticisms, concerns, anything, let us know. Uh, you can let us know on our website, send us a message on Twitter, whatever you want to do. So, um, again, training camp starts tomorrow for all intents and purposes. We'll be out there uh, taking pictures, having a good time. So make sure to come say hi to us and continue listening to the show. If you don't listen to the show on iTunes yet, um, you can do that. It's out there. And if you do, please leave us a review. We're trying to get our uh, rating up on iTunes. We currently don't really have one. Not many people have left us a review. So if you like what we do, please go leave us a review. It'll help us out a lot in terms of finding new listeners. So please do that. And uh, enjoy training camp. We'll be back at you next week. Football season is upon us. And enjoy uh, the weekend. Well, Thursday is pretty much the weekend, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, no, in all serious seriousness, we really appreciate all of our listeners. Love, love communicating with you guys. And um, as always, Bold City Brewery. Biggest shout-out in the world to those guys. They help us out so much. Make sure to check them out at boldcitybrewery.com on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at boldcitybrewery. You can find Generation Jaguar online at genjag.com where you can find out information about our preseason, uh, our preseason party kickoff that we're having over at Strata Sounds. You can find out more information about that. You can find out about our membership program at genjag.com. And you can even sit with us during the season if you want to get some season tickets next to us. You can find all that at genjag.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow uh, Scott Klein, at Scott Klein one on Twitter. You can follow myself, at Jordan DeLugo. Thanks again, everybody. Have a great day, Duval. Thanks so much for listening to the GenJag Podcast with your host, Jordan DeLugo. Online at GenJag.com. Twitter at Generation Jag. Facebook and Instagram at Generation Jaguar. Block and teal all day. We'll catch you next time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.